Boy, it's beautiful outside. We are so blessed again and again through the summer to get great weather. And for us that are setting up, well, I don't actually set up, but the guys that are unloading, this has been wonderful. Speaking of that, I'm going to mention this a little bit more at the end, but man, I'm, I'm excited about Father's Day, and I'm hoping we have really good weather like this because the library's closed on holidays, and we get to do dads and dogs and uh, because we're doing... Um, do, uh, hot dogs with all the toppings and we have fun for Father's Day. We have really unique fun activities for the dads, competitions, big giveaways, and then family activities at the Kaufman Park. So let's just pray that we have great weather and also register. You need to let us know you're coming. Invite your dads. Invite your grandfather. I want as many fathers there as possible. Mastering your mind is one of those things that throughout generation after generation people have tried to do. How can I master and control my thinking? And so Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 and 5. And for me, I have battled since I was a kid trying to keep clear thoughts, focused. Some people say, I have ADHD. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have ADHD. Maybe you just haven't mastered your mind and you haven't really focused because your focus is on the wrong things instead of the things that God intended it for to be. So mastering your mind is something I want to speak on for this Sunday and next Sunday. And then the following Sunday we have uh, some, like I said, some really great things lined up. So mastering your mind is, is possible because it's biblical. I am fully convinced that you and me and the people that we're friends with that feel like they can never control their mind can control their mind. It comes by understanding that there's a battle for your mind. You are in a battle every single day for the mind. And the Bible says, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. We're going to look at 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not physical. They're not tangible. They're not guns. They're not knives. They're not swords, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, strongholds is very important for you to understand. So the enemy is using weapons that require the armor of God. We talked about that if you were a part of that series for two weeks. It's important for you to apply that to your mind right now because we're not dealing with a physical battle. Even though we have physical influences, it's a spiritual battle for the mind. And so the word strongholds is found only once in the New Testament, and it's right here in this passage of Scripture. It's used metaphorically by Paul. Everything Paul does is metaphorically done. It's just interesting how he thinks. So Paul says, metaphorically speaking, that there's a battle for your mind, and that battle is to be the first one to set up a stronghold, which is this towering structure that's like a fencing uh, or a large wall around your mind. Whoever wins the battle wins the mind, and whoever wins the mind establishes the stronghold. So is everybody with me so far? This is easy, but it's going to get... I don't want to confuse anybody because I'm going to throw a lot at you, all right? The stronghold was used to keep the enemies out, but at the same time, it was also used by the enemy to keep the, the, their enemy in. So uh, when you look at Psalms 18 and verse 2, we see the biblical principles of strongholds symbolically. The stronghold in, in this passage scripture, Psalms 18 verse 2, says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation in my high tower. So when it comes to a stronghold in our lives or in our minds, it can either be a prison or it can be a protection. Is everybody with me? Yep, yep. So literally you got your mind 
and you got the walls around your mind that's represented as a stronghold and it is either protecting the mind because you're in control or it's imprisoning the mind because the enemy has built it and it's surrounding you. Um, strongholds are preventing your mind from the freedom it was supposed to have if the enemy has built it. You know when the Bible speaks of, of freedom, he talks about that in such a way, the, the, God speaks of it in such a way that it, it comes with knowing truth. And I'll get into that in just a minute. Truth is liberating. But before we get to that, I want you to understand strongholds are preventing the mind from the freedom and the identity that you have in Christ. And so mastering your mind requires you to pull down the walls. So we're going to show you how to do that. And I, I really want to help you. I believe that you can leave this room today with a complete understanding on how to devastate and destroy the strongholds that are built around your mind and be able to master your mind starting today and finish it up starting next week. But you really got to hold on to what I'm saying because there's a lot being covered here. How do we set our minds free? How do we get to the point that we master our minds and we're in control with the guidance of the Holy Spirit? So the answer comes in twofold and it's found in the next verse. All right, so we're right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 now. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now the second part we'll deal with next week, the thoughts. But we need to focus on the first part. Paul is referencing false doctrine that was taking place in Corinth. Corinth is a region of Greece. And when you think of Greece, what's the first thing you think of at that period of time? Greek, Greek mythology, the idea that there's more than one God, this mythical idea that there is these gods that have been set up. I know we think about Thor, well, at least I do, and we think about Marvel comics now because we realize how foolish it is. I mean, we're literally making movies about it now that are fictitious from comic books. But at that period of time, this was real to them. This was a reality to them. And so Paul is referencing the false doctrine and the narratives that were being taught in Corinth. And he's telling the church of Corinth in this letter that you better not be influenced. You better cast these ideas down, get them out of your mind, because if you don't, they're going to create these imaginations and they're going to create strongholds and they're going to captivate you by their way of thinking. Thoughts are always the result of influence. Whatever thoughts you have are influenced by somebody or something, all right? What you think is who you are. Proverbs says it this way, a man, as a man thinketh, so is he. So you show me a negative person, they have a negative influence, and that's the way they think because something put that thought in their mind. Have you ever met people and all they are is negative? Or how about those depressed people? Everything is depressing. Everything is negative and, and dramatic and, and, and it's just, you feel anxiety by the time you're done talking with them. Something or somebody has influenced them to think that way. And then through that, they've developed these strongholds so they can't get past it. That's who they are now. They're always that way. So in Texas, during the shooting that we dreadfully saw on the news, 11-year-old girl named Maya was in the classroom when the shooter walked in. He looked at the teacher, made a comment, shot her, and then began to shoot the students, the middle school students. She said she hit the floor, and when she landed on the floor, she looked at her friend. Her friend was dead, and she dipped her hand in the blood and put it on her body so, nobody, so the killer would think she's dead. 
The killer went to the next room that was adjoined and he started shooting and she said, then it went silent and I heard music. And she said, when I heard the music, it made me sad because the music he was playing was sad music. The one interviewing her asked her the question, what does that mean? What is sad music? And she said, music that makes you want to kill people. That kind of music. I'm going to tell you, the way you think and the way you act is influenced by something. And whatever that is, is creating a stronghold around your mind and they are controlling you. And it is controlling you. So, this is true today. And an example of this is the cultural influence of sexual orientations that we are seeing. That's causing millions of minds to question if they're male or female. In a, in a recent Gallup poll survey, they found that the Americans who identify as, as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, has increased by 5.6% since 2017. And the question was why? The increase is primarily due to the rise of LGBT uh, identification of younger generations who are far more likely to consider themselves something other than heterosexual because of influence. So the question began to be asked, what is influencing them to create the narrative in their mind that they may not be a male or a female? And what is it that was so impressive to them, so impressing upon them, as Paul says, uh, it speaks of to the church that be not conformed. What's so conforming to them, their mind, that they were convinced that they're no longer biologically a male or biologically a female? Well, the answer came from influence. Almost one in 10, that's 9.1% of millennials, identify as something other than heterosexual. And then it gets crazier because 15.9% uh, of the members of, of Gen Z, that's people that were born from 1997 to 2002, identify as something other than heterosexual. And we see that because there's a stronger influence today on that subject of gender than there was at the time of what's known as traditionalists that were born before 1946. Those before 19, born before 1946, is a, it's only 1.3% of them believe that they have something other, that there's something other than heterosexual. Why? Because there's very little influence at that period of time compared to this period of time. You say, Dave, get to it. Help me master my mind. Well, you better get this before you get anything else. Because the narrative, the teaching, the indoctrination of the LGBTQ has caused this generation to question their very identity. And by doing so, strongholds in the mind have been developed to the point that they've been entrapped thinking, this must be who I am and what I am. Their identity has been robbed because of influence. Influence always comes with questioning. From the beginning of time, that's what Satan has done. When he was with Eve, he questioned what God said. And so Eve started the question, and then we see the fall of all mankind because she ate of the fruit. Planned Parenthood has had a big role in this. They're a good example of indoctrination. On their website, they ask the question, is it natural to be confused or question your sexuality at a young age? They ask the question so you can ponder the question and so you can start questioning your sexuality. Their answer is this, yes, 
This is normal and very common. Sexual orientation, being gay, lesbian, bisexual, or straight, is about sexual attraction. All of these sexual orientations are perfectly normal. Scientists are not sure exactly what causes someone to be bisexual, gay, lesbian, or straight, but research Recent research shows that there are biological factors in place before birth that influence people's sexual orientation. This is their narrative. This is how they're getting you to think as a young generation. Gen Z, Generation Alpha, those generations now hold on to these things and they begin to think, they use the word science, they use the word scientific, biology and all this, and then they start letting their mind go. Still, it can be, take years to understand our sexuality. That's what they said, or our orientation. Often people may find that they are questioning for quite a long time. So what is the reason? Because somebody planted a seed in their mind to create a narrative and through that, they develop what's called an imagination, not a healthy one. Strongholds imprison the mind on how we think by questioning what is true. Strongholds, again, imprison our mind on how we think by questioning what we know is true. John, chapter 8, 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. The key is to know. If you don't know the truth, you can never be free. So liberation comes with the freedom of knowing what's right and what is wrong. It is the hammer to the wall that is set up around our mind to destroy the narrative, the idea that you are something you're not. The destruction of the stronghold begins in the first part of verse 5. Y'all ready to tear this wall down? Right now you're sitting in this room and you may have a stronghold built around your, wall, uh, around your mind and, and I don't know what it is. It could be anxiety. It could be uh, um, uh, your identity. Maybe you're frustrated because you're dealing with maybe some type of depression. But verse 5 tells us what we need to do. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Step one is today. And that is casting down. Step two is capturing. The second step we'll do next week, okay? But it all starts right here. In the beginning of verse 5, here it is. Step 1, casting down. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down is to destroy. That's what it means. It means literally pick it apart piece by piece and eliminate it. Destroy it. So the wall of the stronghold is made up of two things. Imaginations and exaltation. If you're taking notes, write it down because I want you to remember this or put it in your phone or whatever because this is very important or go back and listen to the podcast, not because I'm saying it, because it's biblical. The walls that we put around our mind are made up of imaginations or exaltation. Exaltation just means high things, things that we put in place that are higher than what God thinks. It's like, this is what I think and it doesn't matter what God says. Do you get it? So in order to destroy each one of these, we need to understand the makeup of them. I remodeled my bathroom, my father-in-law helped, my brother helped, everybody and their mother helped. And I got to the point I had to hang the tile rack up and it was, it was uh, tile on the wall. And so I had to get a specific bit. I couldn't use a wood bit, I couldn't use a metal bit, I had to use a ceramic bit. I tried to use a wood bit because I was desperate and I didn't want to go to Lowe's. All it did is spin and smoke and it got nowhere. You know why? Because it wasn't made to penetrate the wall. I had to get a ceramic bit. 
If you are trying to master your mind and you're using the wrong tools, you are wasting your time and you will never change. So we have to understand what an imagination is and what exaltation is. And then when you get that, then we'll know how to pick it apart. Okay. The word imagination is actually translated as arguments. King James does it a little different. It's interesting. They just call it imagination. Uh, it's speculation. It's reasoning. In other words, it, it's creating an idea that could be instead of what God said or intended it to be. Is everybody with me? So in Corinth, they would argue with the Christians and say, you know, Greek mythology, they wouldn't actually call it that. They would say their, their teachings, their doctrine, it's true. And the Christians would say, no, it's not true. This cannot be true. Jesus Christ, he lived, he died, and he rose again. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way. And they say, no, no, no. There is a higher power. That is true. But the higher power is in multiple ways. It's through the God of thunder. It's through the God of hell and Hades and the God of heaven. And there's multiple gods. So they're merging these different ideas. And they created this imagination, and they're indoctrinating it by influence in the minds of the Christians. Let me clarify something. Imaginations and thoughts are two different things. Often we get confused and think they're the same, but they're not the same. At the beginning of verse 5, Paul tells us to cast down imaginations. At the end of verse 5, he tells us to capture our thoughts. We are told to destroy our imaginations, but we're to capture the thoughts. We're, we're to control the thoughts. That's capturing. It's, let me put it this way. It's like, it's like thousands of cats herding, trying to herd thousands of cats. Everybody knows how cats are. It's like herding thousands of cats that are going a thousand different directions and putting them into one location and controlling them and training them. That's thoughts. That's because you have 6,000 thoughts a day going through your mind. You're like a pinball machine. It's going from this to this to this to this. And you don't even have ADHD. It's just life. But imaginations is different. Imaginations takes time and effort because you are creating that. It's not natural. Imaginations takes work. For a matter of fact, scientists found that imaginations take at least 12, work 12 different parts of the brain at once if you're just trying to imagine a shape that's moving and shifting. Just that one thing because you're trying to format it in your mind. It's what we call thinking outside the box. It's doing something that your brain is not used to doing. So you are the one responsible for creating the imaginations that are in your mind. Now, is, the, is an imagination wrong? No, actually imaginations are very healthy. Um, when used correctly, they expand the brain. I, I, there's actually parents that think that they should not allow their kids to have an imagination because of this passage of scripture. That's far from the truth. Um, anything could be a bad thing. For instance, I love broccoli and I don't enjoy it unless I dip it in ranch, a lot of ranch. But the ranch makes it where the broccoli is no longer uh, beneficial. It's no longer the health, the value, the nutrition is no longer there. Why? Because I'm missing out on the, I mean, I might still get the fiber, the vitamin C, the, the iron, the vitamin K, and all that other stuff, but the problem is it's smothered in ranch. What's happened with imaginations are we're not using them in a healthy way. We're smothering them in ideas that are not, that are not beneficial, and that becomes a stronghold. Now, let me make it very clear to you. An imagination is taking things that are factual, and things that are fictional and combining them together. 
What that means is this. When I was a child, not me personally, let's just say when you were a child, you were abandoned by your dad. That stuck with you. That abandonment is just drove you crazy. And now you have a hard time trusting people. You feel like they're going to fail you or abandon you. So what happens is you've merged what was a fact with what is not a fact together and created this imaginary idea that you can't trust anybody. And you overanalyze everything. That is an imagination. It's the idea that, hey, I've got a friend and we're very close. Let's say you're a girl and you have a girlfriend and she's very close to you and you guys do everything together. And you say, oh, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's this, she's that. And for whatever reason, the narrative, the thing that's not factual, this fictitious idea of being bisexual is just merged in your brain and now you're going, wait a second. Yes, she is beautiful. Yes, she's wonderful. Yes, she's my friend. Does that mean I have emotions and feelings for this person? Am I now gay? Facts mixed with fiction has now developed an imagination that is unhealthy. And then from there, the bricks start getting in place and then the walls come up and the stronghold is put in place. Now, you cannot, listen, it is very important for you to get this. If you do not tear these down unless you do this, you ready? You have to erase and replace. Casting down means you have to erase and replace. I hope you're following me because I, I, some of you really, I feel like you're where I'm at and you need this. We're going to go to Philippians 4, 6 because this is uh, a letter to the church of Philippi and Paul says it the best way here, how to erase and replace. In order to cast down imaginations, you have to erase it and replace it. And this is how you do it. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. That means be anxious for nothing. Don't get bent out of shape. Don't freak out. It's all cool. Nothing in your life should ever make you fearful, anxious, doubtful, or, uh, uh, or frustrated. Why? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Paul is saying there is to be nothing in your thinking that dominates your mind and makes you anxious or question what God has instilled to be true. The idea of imagination is that we've created and inflicted these thoughts and so what he is saying, you've got to erase all of those. Here's the truth. Yes, when you were a child, you were abandoned. But the truth right now, the reality right now, is the friends that love you, you can't prove that they're going to abandon you. So quit creating that idea in your mind. Cast it out. Erase it. He literally says, if it is not real, if it is not true, eliminate it. Is everybody with me? Yep. I have a headache. I must have a tumor. You have a headache. Until you're diagnosed by the doctor, you do not have a tumor. This is truth. This is fictional. This is something you have merged with truth and created this narrative and this idea. And now you're setting this fencing, if you would, this fortress around your mind. And eventually it's going to grow, 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 grow. And everything you experience in life from a backache to a toe ache is going to be, oh my goodness, I'm ate up with cancer and I'm going to die. A race... And then he says, replace. Now watch this, Philippians 4, 7. We're just following his principles that he's given the church of Philippi. And in verse 7 it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul says the first thing you have to replace after you erase is who's in charge. Check it out. Shall keep your hearts and minds. You know what that means, to keep your hearts and minds? It means, it, it's a military term. It means somebody is 
patrolling. Somebody is the captain and he's in charge to protect the wall. In order to erase, you also have to replace. In other words, who's in charge of your mind? What's influencing you? Who's the one that's the loudest speaking into your brain? Because if you don't remove them, they're going to control what's going on. After you replace who's in charge, you begin to replace the structure, the stronghold. And this, it, it, this is in the imagination. And at the end of verse 8, it says, think on some things. And, and, and the word think is interesting because these are the things he wants you to say. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, these are the things I want you to think of. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, of, of good report, if they're being in virtue, if they're being in praise, think on these things. You know what's cool about the word think? It means reconstruct. He says you erase, tear down, uh, you remove who's been controlling that wall, and now we rebuild. Renew is a word Paul used. It means to start over. So the word think means take these pieces, they're blocks, and the first one is truth. Listen, idea in your mind and you're anxious over it, if it is not true, erase it. If it is not documented by a doctor, if it's not absolute truth, and then you can deal with it if it is, but erase it. So, well, I just don't know if I can do this or that. Why can't you do this or that? It's because you've created the idea that you can't because of past circumstances, erase it. Here's the facts. If you don't learn to erase and replace, you will continue dealing with the stronghold every day of your life. It'll always be there. The structural pieces, truth, honesty, righteousness, purity, are the things that you are to replace it with and think on. That is so hard. If you do this, you will be the most positive person on earth. Every day, you're going to be loving the weather. You're going to be loving your kids. You're going to be loving your dog. Why? Because you're focused on what's evident in front of you that's real and true and honest and pure. You're not making it a point to look for the things that are contrary to that. You're encouraged to create beautiful imaginations based on these pieces, and then you build them up. So, if you're still with me. Casting down means cat to destroy imaginations. And imaginations is only done by erasing and replacing. You destroy it. And then there's the exaltation. This one's different. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. This is in reference of higher thinking and learning. Now, don't get me wrong with this. Higher thinking and learning that conflicts against biblical truth. If you have any thoughts in your mind that has said this is this is, this is better than what God says. If you've got to the point where you think you've got it figured out, then this is what the Bible is speaking of, Paul is speaking of. It's simply put, you think you got it, you got it more figured out than God does. Um, you've got better counsel than what God can give you through his word. Your podcast, your books, your book club, your friends, your counselor, they have better input than God does. Then that right there is a problem. And Paul says, this is what you've exalted above God's knowledge. That's not going to work. Remember, Corinth was a region of Greece. And so there was this higher learning, this thought process that this is the way you're to think when it comes to the gods. And if we can infiltrate your mind with this and you embrace that and accept it, then you will be an intelligent person and you'll fit in with the rest of us.
I am fully convinced that the idea of homosexuality and bisexuality and asexuality and all these other things that they've developed has become a trend. It's a trendy thing. I want to fit in. I want to be accepted. I want people to like me and, I, and I'm confused. And so my questions are being answered by this and that. And so by doing so, I've got it figured out. I know who I am. That's called exaltation. I know what's best. And destroying this is done through the word of God, and we find this in Proverbs 3. I know it's the Old Testament, and it's perfect for this. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean on unto your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Everybody's very quiet in here today. And I know it's uh, maybe you're tired, and I, I don't know where you're at, but I don't, I don't want you to miss out on this, please. So I just need you to really focus on this part. The exaltations that are in our mind, the things that we built up above the knowledge of God, have to be done and dealt with this way. Stop leaning and start learning. Stop leaning, start learning. It comes with this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not in your own understanding. That means, and it requires, complete trust in God. Can you completely trust God? Without reservation, can you let go of what you think and completely lean on Him? You know what it means to lean? It means to put your, your, your reliance on something. You're putting your weight on it. It's, it's what's keeping you afloat. It's what's keeping you above, uh, above ground. It is the thing that you rely on most. And if you don't lean on him for that, the Bible makes it very clear that it's going to be destruction. So watch this. I think that we know how to help God, but we don't. Did you just catch what I said? We really think we know how to help God. For instance, we have an opportunity this afternoon about a possibility of a building. In my mind, I can create different ideas and images, and I can create imaginations. I can go crazy with the possibilities. But that doesn't mean that it's the right thing for us to take. Let me get real with you. I could walk in and then God shuts it all down, and I say, whoa, 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 God, wait, wait, wait. There's so many cool things that can be done here. And I start kicking open doors. Because I'm setting my mind higher than the mind of God. I think I know what's best, and so I'm going to apply what I think, and I'm going to help God expand the kingdom. God, we're doing this for your glory. Come on, don't shut this door. When I was uh, living in Tennessee, I'd detail cars on the side. And when I was detailing cars on Mondays, I rarely had an opportunity to clean my own car. So I got this S10 truck, and I love this S10 truck, and I just got a Mako job on the S10 truck. New paint job, right? Christian's just a little dude, and he's like, Dad, can I help you? I'm like, sure, buddy. You know, when kids are little and you don't want to mess things up, so you give them just a random job. So I was like, just wash the wheels. So he's dipping in the brush, and he starts washing the side of the truck with the tire brush. I'm like, no, buddy. We don't need, but I'm trying to help you. I know what I'm doing. Daddy, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm like, I know you know, or you think you know, but I need you to focus on this. So Buddy starts working on that. I get in the back of the truck, and I'm working on some things and cleaning it, and I notice he's doing something at the front of the truck. So I go to the front of the truck. Now, let me remind you, as a detailer, I know what every one of those bottles represent. This one cleans tires. This one cleans alloy wheels. This one cleans the carpet. This one cleans the glass. And sometimes, if you mix it, it can really mess things up, because I know he didn't know. But he thought he was helping me because he really, he really suggested he knew. So I go to the front of the truck, and he has a spray bottle in his hand, and he's cleaning my hood. 
with the asset that I cleaned the wheels with. So sprinkled all over my hood is these dots where my clear coat has been removed. You know why? Because there was a kid that told me that he knew and he was helping me. He was helping me. Isn't that great? How often are we helping God? When we set our knowledge above his exaltation, God, this is what this money should be used for. God, I should buy this car. God, I should go to this school. God, it looks wonderful. And God's like, no, I'm shutting doors in your face and you're kicking them open. That's called exaltation. And you're going to have big problems in your life. And those problems are going to influence your brain. And you won't be able to think properly. And everything's going to get messed up because you are trying to help me. Stop trying to help me. You see what we're doing? Well, I can't do that. I just can't do it. I just can't. And God said, yes, you can. I've opened the door for you. But you just don't know. He don't know. He don't know your past. He don't know what you're going through. He don't? Really. You just exalted yourself above the knowledge of God. He made you. He knows exactly what you can do. My brother Tony, when we were in college or at high school, excuse me, there was a fat chance that guy would ever preach. I remember when I was 16, when I was 14 years old and I just, I felt passionate. I knew God called me to preach and then I surrendered to the preach and then Tony would go to some of my meetings. He didn't have any use for preaching. He could care less about preaching. I mean, it was contrary to everything he wanted to do. And I would say, yeah, there's no way Tony is called to preach when he was in Florida and he surrendered. And I thought, there's no way. You know why? Because I... I've exalted my way of thinking according to what I've saw in his life. And God says, I created him. I can do whatever I want with him. God can do whatever he wants with your life. Stop putting God in your imaginary box and exalting your way of thinking above his. He is able to do above everything you ever imagined. So we settle with the narratives that we have been given and created these imaginations and we have accepted this and so these walls are built around our mind and there Satan is mastering our mind and when we are supposed to allow God to. Uh, how about this one? Stop leaning and start learning. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct thy path. This means your complete reliance on God in every area. You're relying on God for everything. Okay, are you all with me? I'm going to make this so simple. So breaking it down. We cast down imaginations. Casting down imaginations means we're tearing down the walls of the stronghold around our minds. And when we do that, it is only accomplished by erasing and replacing. And when we do that, everything starts to come together because we realize that we are not smart enough we need to stop exalting our way of thinking, stop leaning on our understanding, and then start learning from God. And he says in every area, your marriage, your children, your finances, every area, you are to completely acknowledge him. You know what acknowledge means? We're in agreement. That means you stop and pray about everything. You say, well, I want to go out with this guy. He's really cute. There's more to life than somebody that's cute. There's more to life than buying a car just because it has all the bells and whistles. There is something called debt. And God is trying to speak into your life in situations that say, in all thy ways, acknowledge me, acknowledge me, acknowledge me. In other words, get my consent before you make your assumptions. Y'all follow that? 
so I'm bisexual. What? Wait a second. Somebody created you. Maybe you should get his consent before you fall for the, the, the narratives and the ideas that have been pressed upon you and you've convinced yourself and set up these ideas. So here it is. Your future is dependent on your learning from God's will over your will. The Bible says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Your future is dependent on your submission to God. Your marriage, your children. You say, well, I'm going to have wonderful kids. Nah, I don't know if you will or not. It depends on your submission to God. You raise your kids your way and not acknowledge Him, and you set yourself up above the knowledge of God, you're going to have monsters on your hand. So we're going to have the perfect marriage. We're going to celebrate every anniversary. We're going to travel the world. Well, you're not going to do nothing except live in debt and misery if you did not acknowledge God before your way of thinking. And let me clarify that. Acknowledgement, being in tune with God, means you're submitting to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You say, what does that mean? That means when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit come to live within you. It's more than just a conscience. It's the leading of the Spirit of God that's saying, not a good idea. Great idea. Not a good idea. Great idea. It's when you're going to do something and you get struck with conviction and you say, whoa, maybe I shouldn't do this. This is the Holy Spirit saying, this is contrary to the knowledge of God. Stop. Okay. Where do we go from here? How do you apply this? Go home. Put it together. Step one, cast down. Take apart the walls that have been built around your mind. And if you don't erase and replace... It will never work. <laughs> You're thinking about your kids right now, right? I hear them, some of them. Erase and replace. And then also stop leaning, start learning. This is the most simplistic way to do it. It's so easy that all you have to do is step back and say, well, that's the, I don't know if that's true, so why are we going to get bent about that? You ever been like, we just, you just got like 15% of your paycheck cut. Oh, we're going to make it. We're not going to make it. We're going we're gonna to fall apart. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to. You know what that is? That right there is an imagination. It is not factual. It's fictional. We know you got 15% of your check cut, but all the other stuff you just created, you better erase that and replace it with what you know is true. And then you step into that realm of trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Say, God, I need you to help me not lean on what I think. I need you to teach me and show me what's right. Open some doors. Would you do this with me? Would you just take a moment, bow your head, out of just respect to the one sitting next to you? I just need you to... I don't know. I... I, guys, listen, when I, when I started writing this message, I was overwhelmed. I was really overwhelmed because there's so many pieces to it, so many working parts. And I thought, if anybody walks away with one piece of this, it'll be a miracle because there's so many pieces to it. I just want you to walk away with this simplistic thought. If it ain't true, just don't think on it. If it ain't true, don't think on it. The only thing you think on is the things that are true, lovely, pure, just, Praise, if there's no praise, there's no, then don't think on it. He said, if there be any of those things, think on those things. Erase the, erase the things that are lies that you don't know and replace it with truth. The things you do know. Stop leaning on your fears, your frustrations, your anxiety. Quit analyzing everything. You'll never enjoy the life you have. Life is even a vapor. Appear for a little time, vanishes away. You don't have much time here. Don't live in fear. You were, you were meant to thrive, right? 
So how are you going to thrive? Well, this is the way. Master your mind. So right where you're at, where's your mind? Can you think with me? Is your mind got a stronghold around it? Do you find yourself crying over things that make no sense? Have you found yourself questioning? Have you found yourself questioning things that don't even need to be questioned? You know what that is? You got a stronghold and it's built around your mind. So what if my kids grow up to be this, that, and the other? Your job is not to worry about this, that, and the other. Your job is to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That's your job. You know what that's called? That's called truth. That's called reality where you are now. That is not fiction. That is fact. So I'm asking you, take one brick at a time out of the way. Take them down, take them down, and cast them. And if you can do that, you can start mastering your mind. And your wife will be happy, your mom will be happy, your kids will be happy, your dog will be happy because you will be happy. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I submit this to you and I ask you, Lord, to take the lead. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you absolutely fully confident with your heart that you've given your life to Christ? So what's that mean? It means this. Have you asked Jesus Christ in your life and asked him to forgive you of your sins? and said, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you lived, you died, and rose again, and I'm giving you my life? Have you ever done that? If you say, I'm a Christian because I do good things, I'm not asking if you go to church or if you're a Christian because you do good, uh, good things. I'm asking if you've truly given your life to Jesus Christ. And if you've done that and you're still awake, would you raise your hand and say, that's me, Dave? 100% true, 100% true. Put it up there like you actually mean it. All right, that's great. Good, good thing. If you haven't, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help you master your mind because it starts with this. This is the new life. This is life in Christ. If you've not given your life to Christ, would you do it right now in your seat where you're at and say, I am not going to do this anymore on my own. And pray in your own words. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you in my own words from my heart in my seat, forgive me. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm trusting you. I'm not going to be like the Cor of Corinth. I'm not going to believe in any other God or any other way to heaven. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he lived, he died, and he rose again. And by faith, I'm trusting you right now. If you meant that with your heart and you prayed in your own words and you're not ashamed, would you just kind of lift your hand just a little bit, real, just a little bit right there? Thank you. I appreciate that. Man, that's, that's tough. I did it when I was 14 and I meant it with all my heart. You just did that. It's one of the greatest decisions you'll ever make. In your, it is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life.